Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn are back to launch the next global fashion brand in Making the Cut. In this new original series from Amazon, 12 designers from around the world compete for the opportunity to take their brand to the next level. New episodes available every Friday. Watch Making the Cut, only on Prime Video. Maybe this virus was the amazing grace for the planet, because the virus is making us do the things we knew already long time we had to do. A human disaster an economic disaster, but it's possibly the best thing which can happen for ecology. I wondered if you had some advice for some of the people out there who have found themselves without work. I believe very much in the power of the amateur. Everything is up for renewal. It's like we come out of a war, our buildings are still standing, but we have to invent everything from scratch. Hello, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been connecting with some of the most trusted and smart and forward-thinking people in our community, and, and this week is no exception. On this week's episode of the BOF podcast, I connected with Lee Edelcourt, the famous futurist who gave a barnstorming talk back at Voices 2016 and who has made a name for being able to cut through all of the noise and information to find the insights of what the future might be like. And we, we need people like Lee even more than ever these days as we are overwhelmed with information in an environment that's changing so quickly, seemingly every hour. This week on the BOF podcast, Lee talks about the impact of the virus on the planet and the people around us, but also on how the fashion industry must adapt and change for these unusual and unprecedented times. Here's Lee Edelcourt, Inside Fashion. Hello, Lee, how are you? Listen, I'm fine. I'm alive. Yeah. And planning on staying alive. That's good to hear. You're in Cape Town today. Yes, I am. I'm in exile. 
How long have you been in Cape Town? Um, I'm in South Africa already a month. Okay. I left uh, on Valentine's Day from Amsterdam to Johannesburg to go to a safari um, company I work with. So that's very nice work because I exchange my uh, visions and ideas for being with the animals. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the best barter. And then I went to the 25th anniversary of Indaba conference, which is the best design conference in the world. And this was an event because it was bringing exceptional speakers. And this is the one a moment I don't want to miss because it's for me like almost like going to my church. This is where I found inspiration. This is where I, where I meet, gather with similar minds, where I get very inspired. All my contacts in the design world are from this uh, incredible thing. Mm. And so because it was... Um, the anniversary, there was an anniversary dinner the evening before. And somebody at the end of the evening trapped me into doing a little speech. And so I did a little speech, which recalled that I had to warn people on stage that after 9-11, the situation would collapse and would be dire. And that they should really uh, rethink. And I said, now we're in a similar situation, but worse with this virus and I talked about the situation and some at the last moment, my brain just said that may, maybe this virus was the amazing grace for the planet because the virus is making us do the things we knew already long time we had to do and that we are now forced by this is a disaster, a human disaster, an economic disaster, but it's possibly the best thing which can happen for ecology. I've been following the things that you've been writing and that's why I'm so excited to have the opportunity to chat with you today. We've been talking to some of our you know, most trusted friends and experts around the world to get their take on what all of this means. And yeah. before we talk about the macro situation, I wanted to talk about the micro situation with you. So how is this impacting you, you know, personally and professionally? You know, what are your reflections on, as because as you say, this is also a human story, right? Yeah. We are living in a hotel, a beautiful little new hotel called Dorp, which closed its doors with the eccentric, wonderful uh, woman who is driving this hotel, handpicked us to be here in quarantine. And we are joined by another few very creative people from, from this city. So we are in a sort of creative commune where everybody has his own room or a little house or cottage. And where we congregate in the evening to exchange ideas. And it is incredibly human and warm and rewarding. And uh, we share a lot of things. Her name is Gail Beer and myself. She is, we are fellow widows. We both lost our partners the same year. So we... We, she lost her son, I lost a best friend just before leaving. So we are, the dad is definitely at the table in our discussions, also because of the virus, of course. Right. Um, our mood shifts from time to time. Um, I'm completely overwhelmed by the uh, freedom this quarantine is giving to me. I um, detected even some um, happiness in myself and I felt guilty, but it was there uh, because I have never experienced uh, this slow rhythm, this, um, this so being removed from society, this so being relieved from all the tasks I always had to do, this 
um, this feeling of uh, almost sometimes of abandon uh, of the daily business. And at the same time, you know, it's very possible that my company will bankrupt because our clients will go bankrupt. And we will see a lot of uh, people out of work. So it's it's not at all a happy situation, but there is something um, so new in the in what we experience massively. And I get so many messages and emails from people echoing the same, all in their own words, different words, the same um, feeling of um, you know, being off, just jumping off the carousel, just, you know, we always we were thinking about it all the time that we had to do less, that we had to travel less, that we had to spend less, that we had to take care of ourselves, that we had to take care of our, our loved ones and family and parents, and that we and we just didn't. You know, we just didn't. And now we are forced. So it's a very interesting virus. Lee, tell me, um, one of the things that you've been talking about during your time in South Africa um, is that this virus is a gift. It's something you said earlier in the conversation. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, in what way you think, obviously, that's a, there's a human cost, there's an economic yeah. cost, there's a lot of negative things that are happening. But massively negative. Yeah, massively negative things. But you're one of the few people that I've been speaking to who sees some positivity coming from all of this. You know, the short-term pain of job losses and bankruptcies and ill health and in some cases death. Yeah. What is the what is that opening up for you positively? Well, first, I want to say that I, um, I'm mourning all the deaths, especially because it's so hard to, um, to mourn somebody who is not uniquely dead. I think it's very hard to mourn massive amounts of people because it takes out a unique moment of your parents' life or your friend's life. And you see that in Italy, you know, where it becomes anonymous and abstract. So it's it's all becoming sometimes very abstract, like the streets of Milan and other cities, which look like the Chirico paintings, you know, completely deserted, completely beautiful and completely eerie. So the virus, I think, can be seen as a representation uh, of our conscience. It's almost um, a collective conscience which is at work, um, it brings to light what is so terribly wrong with society and every day that becomes more clear and it teaches us you know to to slow down and to change our ways and during the teaching it's now only a month or so for some countries a bit more you see that the behavior of people is very much changing the mentality is changing the need for togetherness is there. The need for uh, mutual parties is there in a virtual way. People write suddenly emails as letters. So we have e-letters, which is something I haven't seen before. You get in touch with people you haven't seen for a long, long time. You can do your work at a more leisurely pace, so you have more time to do it. You can stretch things. Um, you don't have to consume. Uh, we reached out to a friend who said that for the first time, possibly in his life, he had not spent uh, a dollar. He had not consumed for a whole week. And he was elated about it. So there is many small signs and bigger signs that people are intrinsically understanding. I see it also in the questions of journalists that they did things that they didn't want to do, that they went to work even if they were sick, that they 
got rid of the kids in school or a crash, even if they wanted to be with the kids, that they did all these things in the name of um, our economy and our business and the sort of the way we perceive life. And um, hopefully we will be able to, uh, after this is over, to reset society and completely make a new world uh, sort of appointment on what is what is essential, what is not, and how could we uh, create new systems which would be much less polluting, much less uh, energy-taking, much better on people's uh, brain and stress levels, and I, I think we will be able. And also we see that this virus now... Um, is here the, the quest for uh, economy is overpowering now people in the United States. There is several voices of several CEOs and presidents uh, wanting us to go back to work, even if we die. This we have never seen before. We have, we've never seen that this threshold was no longer valuable, that Life, you know, always came first. Even in war, you know, we try not to lose soldiers. And now the, we have overstepped. And so, in fact, I think uh, greed is the big enemy of this all. So it's, it's almost as if the virus, uh, the COVID-19 virus, is fighting the the greed virus. It's really these two powers which are competing. And um, personally, I cannot accept these uh, excesses. I think that money has uh, really derailed society. And uh, I was born in the 50s, so I know also, how nice it is to have much less and how mm -hmm. creative that is. So I have such good memories that I can help people <laughs> to <laughs> reconnect, I think. You know, Lee, some of the things that you're mentioning now remind me of that talk that you gave at Voices back in 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, you walked us through a manifesto and, you know, I, I'm just keen to talk to you a little bit about some of the points from that manifesto and how you see those points now in light of, you know, mm -hmm. what's happening in the world today. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things you talked about and, you know, which you were just discussing was this like kind of consumption. You, you talked about, you know, a T-shirt being less expensive than a sandwich. I'll never, ever, ever forget that line. It just... It just mm -hmm. stayed in my head. What happens to fast fashion now, do you think? What happens to that desire? If, if, if people are thinking about consumption differently, if your friend hasn't bought anything in a week, when all of this lifts, do you think those behaviors or those attitudes will have a long-lasting impact on the way people think about consumption? Yes. Why? Yes, because it will be not yet finished with the virus. It will take a few more months. Then we will not go back to same old, same old as rapidly. We won't take planes as easily. And many shops will be empty of goods because we couldn't prepare anything or only maybe old things or stock. Then also we know that even the preparation for the for the summer after, the spring summer after is going to be difficult because of uh, this non-accessibility and not non-production and not non-availability of textiles and and uh, rare earths and all the matters we need to make new products. So we we are in a in a long cycle of um, of sparseness, I think. And um, this corresponds possibly to how we will feel, although we also will want to party. So I think that all the 
skirts designed by the Italian designers, which are fringed and feathered and slashed, I think they will be uh, welcome, as will be these heavy boots to give us, you know, grounding. If not, we will not consume much, I think. Maybe some knits, because in time of crisis, people love knits. Um, tactility, you know, we will be very craving tactility. So, indeed, we will uh, completely re reset, I think, the way we produce and dress and consume. Um, you know, in the 60s, we were three and a half million, now we are seven. And now I think that the number is um, that we produce 80 billion clothes. It's 114 billion. Oh, it's more. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's insane numbers. It's insane yeah. numbers. So what happens to an industry like fashion then? What happens now to the luxury companies, the fast fashion you know, companies? You know what, what made me smile the other day? Yeah. I saw an announcement of the series um, Selfridges, which was on Netflix a few years ago. They yeah. still show it. Yeah. And the way the department store was in the beginning, that very charming, cute, um, free accumulation of goods. And if there was a new idea, it was implemented, but it didn't have to be new ideas all the time. And it was novelties. And it speaks to my imagination for very new specialty stores and maybe department stores. I think many stores will have to be consolidated because there's much too much brick and mortar. There will be more space because there's less merchandise. It will be much more attractive. It will be contained and compacted, so um, more easy to choose and more beautiful, I think, to contemplate. Um, Designers will not have to make six collections, extra drops. We don't have to make extra items for Instagram. We don't have to have uh, goodie bags with um, nonsense in it. We don't have to. We don't have to do many things. So I think for designers, it's a dream. Because for the first time, you can think again about fashion with an F and creation. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The other thing that you talked about in your manifesto was the focus on individualism as it pertains to fashion education and design education that cultivated the idea of individual divas. You're a fashion educator. How might this change the way we think about the next generation of designers? A lot of them have been, you know, sending us questions uh, on BOF on our social channels. They're they're in a state of panic around their future. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, I think that the universities and institutions will suffer because I don't think that we will have so many students flying over the globe to study in other countries. So people will go back more to the schools in their countries or in their their proximity of their countries. That is going to be a big, big readjustment of the schools in terms of budget, in terms of uh, general outlook. Um, It might be good for uh, the industry because it will give back local flavor or local intention to the courses. There will be maybe more connection to the history of the fashion in these areas. There might therefore become, we might become more diverse because of concentration. So each time you will see that the concentration is going to flourish into something beautiful. Um, I'm afraid that in the beginning, all the jobs related to fashion, which are not strictly making, pattern making, designing, textile making, and so on, will uh, be jeopardized. You know, the styling, the, the photography, the, many of those things, we, we will not use so many people. In this period, we suddenly understand that you can make wonderful things with only two or three people, that you can actually also make them online. So there is going to be a big shift. So yes, students, um, they can only go to these schools if that is their major calling. Right. So all of these young fashion students, you know, and there's many, many, many more fashion students than there are jobs for fashion already now already now you think that's going to become even more yes extreme but there is other creative jobs and there's other ways to express it's not just through garments so that is what i mean that you need to be super clear with yourself that this is what you want to do that Mm -hmm. you cannot live without doing this Mm -hmm. we need to see true passion Mm -hmm. passion for fashion true passion for fashion um, another thing I know you're really passion, passionate about is craftsmanship, artisans. I've been talking to some of my friends in India who work with large groups of artisans. A lot of their orders from the Western luxury brands have been canceled. You know, and there, you know, some of them that have the means to keep those people employed 
and safe are doing so, but others have had no choice but to let them go. It's even worse for the factory workers in, in Bangladesh who don't do kind of like craftsmanship at that level, but they're doing, you know, garment manufacturing. Mm -hmm. What happens to all of the workers around the world, Lee, the ones who make our clothes? Um, it will be very difficult this period. I think that the true artisans definitely have a future. Best for them is to disconnect from the industry and to set up their own uh, ateliers and shops. I strongly believe when I see the uh, Santa Fe folk market, for instance, that there is an enormous food future for beautifully made uh, handicraft with a real identity. That is for sure. And it will be even more for sure now. I mean, we will need this love which is in this uh, merchandise because we cannot cope with the senselessness of, of fashion. So definitely, I think, uh, I would definitely wish for them to hold on to what they do and maybe immediately already create a marketplace online. For instance, all these Indian ateliers could make um, an online portal. They have to work together. Everybody has to cooperate. And uh, they should maybe try to join the organization of um, the folk market. Personally, I have this plan to make, to maybe organize a department store just made out of craft. So a normal department store, but everything is craft, bedding, tabletop, you know, all the categories, but made by hand. The whole idea of the arts and crafts um, sort of cottage industries is one of the survival mechanisms we have to discuss. And one other thing I wanted to, to get your point of view on is, you know, marketing advertising, you know, connecting with consumers at this time. It's, it's a question that's come up a lot on the mm -hmm. website and in, in our interactions with the community, people are asking like, how do I, how do I speak to customers at a time like this? What are the appropriate channels and, and tone of voice and messages that I can use? Because I still need to promote the things that I have for sale but I now need to do so in an environment where people aren't really necessarily thinking about buying things. And, you know, it's obviously a time. It's actually irritating. It's yeah. irritating to get these emails with merchandise. It doesn't belong to this period. So um, should they just stop? I think stop direct mail, which is not directed to people. Like personalized um, to, communication yes, only. To give you an example, the, this Singita uh, Safari organization, they stopped completely, but they're the guys who do the who, who find the animals, uh, the guides, they um, are making uh, little clips of their drives, and they send it to their favorite clients. So the clients are directly re related with the. It's the people who, who do this work. And then these people are overwhelmed by the care because they are in a house, you know, they cannot move and they get fantastic footage. And I think this is a very beautiful example of um, how we can, we, we should target person by, by person almost. So you see a rise in personalized communication as opposed to mass marketing. Yeah. The, formerly, the, the sales girls in Bergdorf Goodman, they would buy and they would buy stuff special for this client and this client and this client, and they would phone them personally. They would say, listen, I've got this wonderful dress. Come. I can also send it to you. Now they send a photo. So they, they do it person by person. And that is maybe, again, like with this selfridges idea, it's this um, a very new um, focus. 
a new Zoom, if you want, and very much more emotional and human and in proximity and, and together and gathered. And so the communication goes uh, by words of mouth. It goes by ritualization. Uh, it's no longer event management. It's no longer all these things are to be re reinvented. So it's very exciting if you are in that business, mm -hmm. but very demanding. Mm -hmm. But it needed to change because it's so long time already the same. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the business of journalism, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the role of journalists and media in this time. It's something that was also mentioned in your manifesto. Like, what do you see the role of media now, of journalists? Like, what should, what should we be focusing on? Every day a bit more important. Journalism is growing also in the public eye from day to day. We owe journalists not as much as nurses and doctors, but we owe them an enormous uh, amount of uh, information, trust, digging, digging up, you know, the dirt of the greed, trying to give us the right information about how to protect yourself, um, talking to um, ordinary people, how they feel they're becoming much more close to the, uh, to the, to the real people. Um, Vanity Fair with a nurse on the cover in Italy. You know, that, that means... A doctor. A doctor a, on the cover. Is it a doctor? Yeah. yeah. Um, I read it was a nurse. I'm sorry. Um, she's beautiful. But that means maybe even the end of the cover with famous people. So that's another page we just turn. So if you think about it, if you think through everything, um, tourism will change. Um, everything, everything is up for renewal. It's like we uh, come out of a war. Our buildings are still standing, but we have to invent everything from scratch. So let's let's look ahead a bit and. Um... Everyone keeps asking me, and I'm not a futurist like you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the question on you. Do you have a sense now, Lee, about how long this current situation is going to last, how deep this recession is going to be, and when we might see a light at the end of the tunnel? Um, it will be long. Uh, we have to give up this year. Uh, hopefully we can restart somewhere in spring 21. Um, the loss of um, assets and money will be uh, colossal. Uh, as we know, much of that money is virtual. So sometimes I also think we shouldn't care because does it really ex exist? Um it is going to be very difficult for many, many people without jobs. Already now in New York, all our friends are fired. It's, it's going to be very, very tough. But if we decide to reinvent society and reconstruct and completely um, rethink the systems, we could very quickly, I think, start with this new blank page. I want to give one example. Sure. Um, every season, hundreds of uh, product developers buy an Acne sweatshirt, which is a beautiful sweatshirt, and go to Asia to have it copied, replicate, or maybe sometimes to have a small variations. They go with three people, so that is 300 people minimum for the reproduction of one item. Same happens in decoration where there is suddenly this planter on little feet, which is from the 70s, everybody loves it. Hundreds of people go to the same factories in Morocco, in um, China, and they come all back home with more or less that same planter. 
So couldn't we invent a strategy where we would have um, sort of central design studios, which would work in every country, which would prepare merchandise for several brands, which then can buy in. So we don't have these 250 DHLs a day, that we don't have all this extra waste of extra samples, that we don't need all these planes, that we don't have all these people traveling. So I believe that we might be able to find lots of systems which uh, can be more creative, but more direct and less uh, wasteful. Um, maybe I'm idealistic, but it seems for me so logic at the same time. I guess you could say the same about Fashion Week when you talk about waste and people flying around. And oh yes, um, what what happens to Fashion Week in the ideal world? How could we reset Fashion Week? I think the the shows will be very intimate and in small venues and with the perfect professionals only. The models will be from the neighborhood. The styling will be done by the designer herself. Uh, it's uh, it we really will reset towards almost a couture type presentation, sometimes in house, I think. And this will uh, then be um, filmed and go online, and that will be you know the way you will communicate on a very large scale. So the more beautiful this presentation is, uh, the more acclaim it will get. You can maybe tie these things in into a chain event. Maybe it can be in cinemas. You know, maybe it can be um, revisited in other cities uh, with togetherness um, as a series of uh, films with some drinks and so on. So we will we will make a mix, I think, of the virtual and the analog. Uh, but the starting point is much more intimate, which again is a gift for the designers because they can put all their love and knowledge in this. Mm. And finally, Lee, I just I wondered if you had some advice for some of the people out there who have found themselves without work, because as as you know, there's waves of layoffs that have already started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the same way that we have to reinvent the systems and structures and society that we've created, people are going to have to reinvent themselves for this new world order, for this new normal. Yeah. How should how should someone go about doing that? What should they be thinking about? What can they do to take advantage of this time to prepare themselves for this new situation? Um, you can go back to learning, to school, to gain some time and to see how society rebuilds and add a layer of knowledge to your life. Uh, that is, if you can get financing for that. I hope that we will see the implementation of the basic salary because you're born. I hope that we will see this rule that everybody gets a thousand or a bit more dollar or euro on a on a monthly basis, so that you can cope with the most um, basic human needs. And on top of that, you can start doing odd jobs and making things and selling things and trying to make ends meet, as we say. Uh, you might also take the opportunity to start something small because it will be the time to start things small. And because many big companies will, um, uh, will perish in this thing, um, it's maybe there's maybe space for new um, initiatives. If you do that, I think you need to do that together. You need to reach out to others so you have a joint platform. So uh, cooperation is, I think, vital. Using the same textiles, using the same um, ateliers, you know, trying to make all these things very um, friendly. 
in companionship. Everything you do by hand, I think, will be very appreciated. Uh, you can also cook for your friends and neighbors. You can, I believe very much in the power of the amateur. And when I say amateur is that you don't really know how to do it, but you want to do it. But it's also like in French, the amateur, that you really love it. You, know, you really love wine or whatever it is. So I think if you think as an amateur uh, and you want to create your own life, there is, I think, many opportunities. There's this famous story of a guy in Denmark. He was fed up with marketing and he sort of stood still and said, what do I like? And his brain said liquors. So he made a liquors company, which is now enormous. So listen to yourself, I think. Listen first to yourself. What do I really want to do? If I listen to myself, don't think about money and so, but what is it what I want to be? Do I want to be in the city or do I want to mean something in the country? Do I want to work with the earth? Do I want to be a gardener? Do I want to be in food? Do I want to serve? Do I want to be in health? Do I want to be a nurse, a doctor? Because we need so many of them. Um, do I want to be idle? Uh, do I want to work hard? Uh, I think we need to, you know, do a questionnaire with ourselves to really find, and you should do it maybe every week one, because we are changing with this virus. It changes us almost from day to day. And then see if there is some very interesting outcome about, you know, how you really want to reach out to yourself. And it's no longer what your parents expected or what your school said you should do. Or it can be writing, it can be singing, it can be podium, can be so many things. And we see now with the crisis how many people are expressing themselves online and having these parties and doing this music and reading books and reading. So there is, you feel the age of the amateur already starting because of this confinement, making new mm -hmm. meals, you know, sort of making a competition of being the best in cooking. And I can see this, um, there's many creative things happening right now. We haven't seen so much creation in a long, long time. No. I love that idea of the age of the amateur is starting. That's wonderful. Um, Lee, thank you so much, as always. Thank for you for time. inviting me. It's a pleasure. Connecting and, uh, with me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important right now to, for me personally, I find all these conversations I'm having with people. Normally, I couldn't have this many conversations because I'd be mm -hmm. running around, but it's really opened up time in my my calendar to connect with the people who I really respect and I definitely count you in as one of those people and I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to share your ideas and thoughts and perspectives with our community so thank you thank you so much take care you too this is Imran Ahmed founder and CEO of the business of fashion uh, that's the latest in our special series of podcasts to help the BOF community make sense of this unfolding humanitarian, economic, and societal crisis. Um, we hope you keep following the podcast. Send us your feedback, leave us a review, um, and share on social media so we can spread these ideas far and beyond. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, biannual special print editions, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education.
You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.